0: Let's look to the Lord, O Father God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, and in respect for your word, O God, guide us this morning and open our ears and our hearts, help us to grow as a result of this word, and help me, O God, to do your will, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise God if you open up your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I'll be sharing with you out of the New International Version this morning about the uh, fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the effects of the Holy Spirit. I'll just be able to get a start on this subject this morning. Sounds like three subjects, doesn't it? And um, I praise the Lord for God's word. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 reads, But you will receive power. These are the words of Jesus. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus tells his disciples this promise that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them, and it is a Greek word that means ability. You will receive ability. We could even say this morning, abilities, in the plural. You'll receive many abilities, and we can talk about the, what the Holy Spirit gives in three categories. Uh, he gives us fruit, which has a ninefold description in the book of Galatians. He gives us gifts. There are nine, of, nine, of, nine gifts, and those are explained in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And I'm going to add to that that he gives us effects or causes us, by his power, effects in our lives that are distinct from the fruit and distinct from the gifts, I'm using the New International Version this morning because it's consistent in how it refers to the Holy Spirit. It's always Holy Spirit or Spirit, Spirit or Holy Spirit, whereas the King James sometimes calls the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, Holy Ghost, and sometimes Holy Spirit. Rather than, you know, uh, distract you with that, uh, various use in the King James. I'll just stay with the New International Version. Holy Spirit, always. In the book of Acts alone, you'll see this event that Jesus predicts happens numerous times in the book of Acts to numerous different people and numerous different places. The Holy Spirit coming on somebody the Holy Spirit giving them power or ability that they would not otherwise possess. This is above and beyond personality and personal gifts. This is something that the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to do or be that is beyond yourself. It's miraculous ability. Well, the language in the book of Acts about these many events is quite various. Here, Jesus says the Holy Spirit comes on you. Sometimes it's in the past tense. He came on someone or some group. This is also a similar event. I can't see in my studies any difference in what is going on even though it's referred to with different language. There's being baptized with the Holy Spirit. That would be like being immersed in the Holy Spirit. So he comes on us. We're baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's also being filled or full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The book of Acts speaks of the Holy Spirit being poured out, receiving The gift of the Holy Spirit, or without the words the gift, receiving the Holy Spirit. Receiving. The Holy Spirit is given. This is all language in the book of Acts. Someone is encouraged by the Holy Spirit, anointed with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is related to us with words like with, by, of, on. Glory to God. It's suggesting to me that the Holy Spirit is on us and in us, over us, near us, before us, behind us, around us and through us. Wow. Hallelujah. You praise the Lord for that. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come On you, but when it happened, the language is that he filled them. So I guess it came on them and it got inside them somehow, leaked inside them, permeated their being, and got within them as well as on them. Glory to God. I remember the first time I was filled with the Holy Spirit. First, I felt him on me, and then within a moment or two, I felt him in me. Hallelujah. I remember a uh, young brother coming up here uh, to the platform during the COVID time, and we, had to, we were supposed to keep six feet between each other. Remember that? Oh, Lord, let that never happen again. And he wanted to be baptized, and I looked at him and I said, Have you ever spoken in tongues? He said, no. He said, well, the Holy Spirit is on you right now from six feet away. And I was going to be a good boy, and I was going to keep my six feet of distance so I wouldn't give him COVID, but I wanted to give him Holy Spirit, not COVID. So I said, the Holy Spirit is on you. Speak in tongues right now. And bang, he did from six feet away. First, the Holy Spirit was on him, and then the Holy Spirit was in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says in chapter 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit enabled them. The Spirit enables. He doesn't control. He doesn't take you over. He's not going to make you prophesy or make you speak in tongues. I I, uh, love Brother Vince Syracuse. How many of you remember Brother Vince Syracuse? He He was a a hardened farmer, a a diligent farmer through uh, much of his lifetime, his adult life, and a business owner. He's a pretty, you know, uh, man's man, you might say. Well, one time during a church service before the Syracuses actually moved to town and he would visit from time to time, the Lord prompted me, I don't think I was a pastor at the time, I think I just sat in the congregation along with everybody else, prompted me to go to Brother Vince and say, Brother Vince, it's really on my heart that the Lord wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he just nodded, yes. Come on, let's go up front, brother. He went up front, he kneeled, I kneeled. It got kind of messy. He was crying. He was, his sinuses were emptying. He was very moved, but you know what? He didn't open his mouth. He sat there, he, he kneeled there right next to me while I was praying for him with his lips like pursed shut. Come on, Brother Phil, or brother um, Vince, speak out in the Lord. Well, he didn't. No, he's, a, he's a man's man, and for some reason or somehow he didn't feel comfortable doing that. So then the meeting went on, and the meeting was dismissed. He got up, I got up. I reached out my hand to shake Brother Vince's hand, say goodbye for the day. He reached out his hand, and when he opened his mouth to say goodbye, he started speaking in tongues a mile a minute. (laughs) You're enabled, but then you got to do it. And so first he was enabled, and then he did it tongues I'd like to do I'd like to talk to you about two things this morning tongues a gift of the holy spirit I don't have time to cover the whole subject because I want to get to another subject too which is an effect of the holy spirit so first of all tongues it's a gift of the holy spirit you can be enabled the the language in the Ch- acts chapter 2 verse 4 it means that he gave Utterance. It's two Greek words, gave, common word for giving in Greek, utterance, or the ability to speak. Now the New International Version just says, as the Spirit enabled them, the King James follows the Greek more closely as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's a very good description of what the Holy Spirit does. He didn't do it for them, but he gave them the power or the ability to do it. Acts 2 2 verse 5 says, Now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, is this this, um, topic exciting to you, brothers and sisters? You say, Brother Brian, you're always so enthusiastic. Are you always so enthusiastic? Brothers and sisters, I can tell you, I have... I have a a personal malady, a foible. I even sleep enthusiastic. (laughs) I mean, I say to my wife, honey, I'm going up, I'm going to bed. Within like 20 seconds, I am out. She says I snore, I don't believe her. Anyway, In Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? The Bible says there were about 120 Galileans in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when they were fir- first filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues for the, f- for the first time in the New Testament. And what happened was all of these Galileans, without uh, taking Rosetta Stone or any courses and all these different foreign languages, languages were miraculously enabled to speak foreign languages and give glory to God and talk about the wonders of salvation without ever having taken a lesson in those other languages. The people that were there, there heard their own languages being spoken. Praise the Lord. What a notable miracle. It shows the Holy Spirit's determination to cross cultural barriers, with the wonders of salvation. The wonders of salvation would be made available to the world. Praise God. Language barriers would not stop the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, as I mentioned to you, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 Say quite a bit about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's turn there. First Corinthians twelve seven, it says in First Corinthians twelve seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the the gifts of the Spirit are given for the good, for good. There are nine of them nine manifestations of the Spirit that are mentioned here. In my clo- I've been a, a Christian for close to 50 years. In my experience, I have not observed a tenth. Sometimes the Bible mentions a number of things as establishing possibilities. For instance, it says uh, there are nine descriptions of the fruit of the Spirit. I don't think really nine is enough. There's more than love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and the rest of the nine. But in my experience, I've never seen any more than these nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And verse 10 refers to, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. Speaking in different kinds of tongues. Notice that it says different kinds of tongues, not simply different tongues. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit gives the ability to speak in tongues, but it gives the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. Different genera, if you're a biology major by any chance, Uh, the plural of genus is genera. Wow, that's a little counterintuitive, but it is what it is. Maybe you want to think of it this way, as species, different species of tongue. The Greek word is actually genus. Different genera or species of tongues, not simply different languages, but different kinds of languages. This is the only chapter in the Bible that contains this phrase. We can, we can make sure that Greek, the Greek language, can say different tongues or different languages. The word the uh, glossalia that is pronounced, or that is translated tongues, is often translated languages. Revelation 5.9 says, You were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. It says, from every tribe and language. From every language. It does not say from every kind of language. It just says from every language. Listen to that closely. Every language. Now, on the day of Pentecost... God gave the ability to 120 Galileans to speak every language of the people that were around. But 1 Corinthians 12:10 says that God gives the gift to speak not every language or not various languages, but every kind of language. There's a, there's a distinct difference to another speaking in different kinds of language. Revelation refers to the Lord speaking to people of every human tongue. All the languages are of one kind. They all fit the description, language, and they're one kind. That kind that is suitable for mutual comprehension between people and people groups. Different kinds of tongues implies one or more categories of tongues. For instance, one kind where people are miraculously given the ability to speak in other existing human languages. That's what we see on the day of Pentecost. But there's another kind. One that should be prophetically interpreted in the congregation of the Lord, in the church. It should be spoken with some discipline and restraint and order. It should be judged There should be a limit on it during any church gathering. There should only be two or three of this kind of tongue given, delivered during a church service. I'll give you scriptures to back this up in just a second. But then there's another kind of tongue, a tongue of prayer that is rather designed just for the person praying. God is good. He gives us weak souls, a gift that can be used for us to support ourselves. Here are at least three clear different kinds of tongue. Not different tongues, as in different languages, but different kinds of tongue, different genera of tongue. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14.2. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Well, how does that line up with what happened on the day of Pentecost? On the day of Pentecost, did people speak in a tongue and nobody could understand them? No, actually they spoke in a tongue and people all over could understand them. The Medes and the Persians and the Cyrenes and the Greeks and everybody from every different part of the Mediterranean basin heard their own language. People understood what was being said. But this is referring to a tongue that does not speak to people. It speaks to God, and in fact, no one understands them, it says. No one understands them. That's not what happened on the day of Pentecost. So you see, it is a clear indication that there's more than one kind of tongue. One kind of tongue is to be heard and understand by other human beings. One other kind of tongue is not meant to be understood by human beings. It's meant to be understood only by God. Two clear examples of different, not different tongues, but different kinds of tongues. Verse 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. This is a special tongue of prayer. I know I received that. I know I received that when I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. And at first, I could only use it when I was kind of like alone. Uh That The night that I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was only saved for 24 hours, and uh, Brother Bob in Phoenix, New York, he said, anybody who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come on up front. I had no idea what he was talking about. I hadn't been brought up in any church whatsoever. I hadn't read the Bible. I didn't know anything about Christianity, really, except that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior 24 hours before The young lady who was instrumental in bringing me to church literally elbowed me. That's you. Go up front. Okay. I'm going up front. And people started praying with me and telling me that, uh, asked me first, do I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I remember them asking me, and I said, yes. And then they said, okay, so ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I, so I said, almost like a parrot, I, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And within seconds, I was speaking in tongues like a mile a minute. And then when we got back to my Syracuse University dorm room, the young lady that brought me out to church asked me if I got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. I told her yes, and she said, okay, speak in tongues, let me hear it, I want to hear it. I couldn't do it. You know, I just was, I could do it now. It's a a bit more under control. I'm not going to do it. It's not for a spectacle. It's a very private thing. It's for private prayer. So I wondered, oh my gosh, I wonder if I... If I can't do it, if I did it in church and now I can't do it. So I went back to my dorm room and I spoke in tongues. And that was instrumental in keeping me as a Christian my first month because I got saved right around this time of year and went out of town and did not have Christian fellowship for the month of winter uh, Christmas break. And every time I started saying to myself, what did I do? What was that accepting Jesus thing that I did? Well maybe I'm cracking up. Maybe maybe I've got the wrong idea. And then I would go, Yeah, but that getting filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, you did not do that. God did that. It kept me for that month. That's the truth. For my spirit to pray, and your mind is unfruitful. That happened to me. We have wonderful minds. God has given us wonderful, these things called minds. It's a wonderful thing. Your brain, your intelligence, your memory, your creativity. It's a wonderful thing. Your ability to think. It's a wonderful thing. I'll value it while you can, or you'll be like me and it's, you know, slowly leaking out. I don't know. But, brothers and sisters, here is a clear indication that we are made of more than mind mind doesn't tell the whole story. You can pray to God and connect spirit to spirit with God. And your mind is sort of left as a spectator, off to the side, not participating, unfruitful, not understanding. There was a philosopher, Rene Descartes, a a, a philosopher of math, math and and uh, metaphysics, and he taught at length about truth and the human power to know and gain truth. And foundational to his proofs that human beings can attain truth was the famous statement I think, therefore I am. Cogito ergo sum. In Latin. First, he said it in French and then he translated it into Latin. It seems a little cheeky, I know, but I'd like to disagree with Rene Descartes. You were made a body, soul, and spirit by God. And sometimes your spirit can pray to God and even utter syllables, and language that are incomprehensible to the human mind, but they're comprehensible to God. And your spirit is connecting with God's spirit. And you can do that in prayer and in worship, and it's wonderful. Praise God. Anybody hungry for that experience this morning? Hallelujah. Jesus added a fourth dimension to the command in the Old Testament. He said in Mark 12, 30, Love the Lord your God with, now count them, all your heart, one, with all your soul, two, with all your mind, three, and with all your strength, four. With all, with all, with all, with all, with all, four. He's actually not quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 precisely, which only refers to three widths. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It does not say mind in the Old Testament. Jesus added that. He didn't say, I'm quoting Deuteronomy 6. He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, what the greatest commandment is. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I hope I did all four correctly. He added in mind. And I know I have a good idea why he added in mine. Because the Greeks had been powerfully influential on everybody's thinking by the time Jesus came around. And very influential on the Pharisees that Jesus was talking to. And they believed in this, in sort of the supremacy of the mind, the tyranny of the mind. And so Jesus added in mind too. All right, love, I'm not going to argue with you if you have a mind or not, or if the mind is supreme or not. Love the Lord with all of it. Whatever is you, love the Lord with all of you. Every part of you. If you're going to think of another part, I'll add that in too. We'll go to five. We'll go to six. We'll go to 106. Love the Lord with all of you, every part of you. Every part you name, I will say, love the Lord with it. Let's add mind. Praise God. Here I am getting all enthusiastic again. 1 Corinthians 14.4 must be a different tongue than the tongue given on the day of Pentecost, which could be understood. No one understands the tongue of prayer. Your mind is unfruitful. Let's uh, look into this a little more. 1 Corinthians 14.27 says, If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret Verse 28 says, if there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. A tongue that is intended to be interpreted. And if you, we have quite a few interpreters here in the congregation this morning. We have quite a few that have the gift of this kind of tongue. In practice, in my experience, I'm not, I'm not telling you that this is, you know, described precisely in the Bible, but in my experience, someone, when the congregation is a little more quiet, they speak forcefully and publicly, loudly, in a tongue, and it kind of stops everybody's what everybody's doing and they pay attention to that person speaking that tongue and then there will be an interpretation either that person will interpret the tongue him or herself or somebody else will interpret the tongue one person will say the tongue somebody else will interpret the tongue paul said if you speak in that tongue pray that you'll be also an interpreter of it ask god to help you be an interpreter of your own tongue that you speak like that but he says this should only be done at two or three times per gathering. There should be restriction on it. He says we should have some order about this. We shouldn't have somebody kind of bringing all the attention to themselves in order to speak a tongue and stop what everybody's doing. We shouldn't have that be happening four, five, six times during a single church service. That should be under some restriction. Verse 28 says, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Okay? Just do it very quietly, not publicly. Just speak to yourself. I do that all the time. I spoke in tongues over there while we were worshiping the Lord this morning during our time of music and so on. I I was speaking in tongues quite often. I don't imagine that Brother Ben or Brother Tony could even hear me. Notice it's under restriction. But now look at chapter 14, verse 39. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, but do not forbid speaking in tongues. How can he say in one breath, this should only be done by two or three, and the rest judge, and then almost in the same breath, in the same paragraph, say, don't forbid anybody to speak in tongues. It's very simple to me. There are different kinds of tongues, different genera of tongues. One that should only take the, the, the spotlight or the floor two or three times per meeting. Another one that you don't restrict. Don't forbid anybody to speak in tongues. Oh, it's a tongue of prayer. There's a tongue of singing and the mind doesn't understand other people don't understand it it is not for the for the um consumption by people god is consuming it yes, yes. and and god is talking to us it's a way to edify ourselves it's a tongue of self edification so there is one tongue to be restricted there's one tongue to give complete liberty to how could Different practices be both right only because there are different kinds of tongues. Praise the Lord. I say this because I know in some congregations and in some denominations there is a general aversion to the gift of tongues and a general elevation of the mind. But I want to remind you that we are not only a mind. We are also a heart. We are also a soul. We are also a spirit. And much of our worship and connection with God can be so personal and so intimate, and it doesn't necessarily And it doesn't always have fruitfulness in our intelligence, in our mind. Serving God is not academic. It's relational. I hold my wife's hand. I don't think deeply about what I'm doing when I do that. She doesn't think deeply about what I'm doing or she's doing when we're holding hands but try to get us to stop holding hands. Ain't gonna happen. We wanna do it. It brings us together. It's not all about our intelligence and our mind. The church should not be a place where there is the tyranny of the mind. The only one that should be king in the church is Jesus. Amen? Praise God. Okay, I'm going uh, to switch my topic now and talk about an effect of the Holy Spirit. The effect of encountering the Holy Spirit. And this is not going to fall under the gifts of the Holy Spirit, nine of them, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and there's several of them, the gift of diverse tongues. It doesn't fall under the descriptive words of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. It doesn't fall under either, either category. The term or the phrase Holy Spirit is used only three times in the Old Testament twice in Isaiah and once in Psalms. In the New Testament, the phrase Holy Spirit is scattered around the New Testament but concentrated very heavily. Much more heavy concentration of this phrase, I'm talking about the words themselves, Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the person. I'm not talking about the third person in the Godhead. He's all over, both Testaments. I'm talking about the phrase, Holy Spirit, the words, Holy Spirit, just like that. They're scattered around the New Testament, but they are highly concentrated in the writings of Luke. The book of Acts, 42 times far and above, way over the use of that phrase in any other part of the Bible. Coming in second, still far above number three and number four and number five is the gospel of Luke. Something about the Holy Spirit impacted Luke. Luke was very moved and touched by the Holy Spirit. And his experience was as a traveler in the entourage of the Apostle Paul. He saw the Holy Spirit at work. Jesus wasn't visible. Jesus wasn't there to touch with your physical hand. But God sent uh, Jesus rose up to the right hand of the Father and received the Holy Spirit from the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to us. Jesus went up on the first page of the book of Acts. On the second page of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit came down. Hallelujah. And that moved Luke mightily. I'm talking about the effects of the Holy Spirit. Luke was moved. He had an encounter now listen, the phrase, Holy Spirit, it's not a name. It's not a name. My name is Brian Rossine. His name is not Holy Spirit. That's, his, that's what he is, Spirit, and an adjective describing him, holy. In the Greek language, it is most often pneumat, pneumatikos, Hagias. Spirit holy. And that's because most of the time in Greek, an adjective follows the noun it modifies. In English, we put the adjective in front of the noun it modifies. In a lot of languages in the world, including Greek, the adjective comes after the word it modifies. Spirit holy. If you did the Greek words word by word into English, it would say, Spirit holy. I want to remind you this morning. His his name is not in the contact list of your cell phone. Holy Spirit. First name, holy. Last name, spirit. He is God's spirit. And the best word you could ever use to describe him is, tell me. Holy. Holy. He's holy, and you encounter the holiness of God in his spirit, it is gonna change you. You are gonna be changed in a mighty and powerful way because you are coming personally in contact With the holiness of God. God's spirit is holy, brothers and sisters. Don't don't just dismiss Holy Spirit as a, uh, a phrase, a unit that belongs all together, like a name John Jones, Mary Johnson, Holy Spirit. No. The same is true of Jesus Christ, by the way, or Christ Jesus. That's not his name. He's Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the Christ. The Spirit of God that Jesus sent to those Galileans in the upper room on the day of Pentecost was God's Spirit and he is holy. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Okay, I'm really enthusiastic right about now. Take a deep breath. Don't scare the people away but I may need an extra hour this morning. Acts chapter 4, verse 8 says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with this Spirit, brothers and sisters. And that Spirit is holy. He was really moved and touched by the holiness of God. He said to them, Rulers and elders of the people! Let's not even worry about what he said. He spoke to the power of his world. He spoke to the power people. He spoke to the culture. And he was not intimidated and pushed back by the culture of his day because he was filled with the Spirit of God, which is holy. Peter was speaking to social and cultural power. And the Holy Spirit will empower Us, to speak to authors, even when the authors are not present. Celebrities, even when the celebrities are not present. Fashion designers, professors, thinkers, philosophers, broadcasters, analysts, songwriters, culture makers of all kinds. We'll speak to them. Rulers of the people, hear this. There's one name by which man can be saved, Jesus Christ. Well, how could you say that? One name. Because the holiness of God has come and touched me. God's holiness. You won't cower before social and cultural pressure. That's power. Jesus said power's going to come on you when the Holy Spirit comes. You're going to have power when the Holy Spirit comes on you? Oh, baby, that's power. Acts 4.23, Peter and John were jailed overnight. They were threatened. Verse 23 refers to what happened on their release. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the heathen, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. But verse 31 says, And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Notice that Luke is not happy. It is not sufficient for him to say they were filled with the Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. It is not sufficient. It is not satisfactory to Peter to say, You spoke by the Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. They keep referring to the Spirit as the Holy Spirit. We have had an encounter with the Holy. And an encounter with the Holy changes everything. He's not called loving Spirit, merciful Spirit, good Spirit. He's not called sweet Spirit. He's not called Lovely Spirit. He's called again and again. In the book of Acts, when the church first started, when the church got its start, when the church was founded, when the church grew like crazy, The Spirit wasn't called loving Spirit, merciful Spirit, good Spirit, kind Spirit, gentle Spirit. He was called Holy Spirit. It's not His name, it's what He is. And when you encounter the holiness of God, it's going to have a deep impact in your life. I'm talking about the effects of the Holy Spirit. In this case, they were empowered. To stand up to their culture. I'm not talking about culture wars this morning. I know it's very popular for churches and preachers to, to advocate being involved in a culture war. We've got to win the culture war. Our culture war is, is going, is, is, we're not winning it. We've got to take back this and take back that. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about building the kingdom of God in the face of persecution and pressure to be quiet. Building the kingdom of God, and I will tell you when you have been impacted by God's holiness, there will be one name and one name alone that you will want to lift up. You won't. It won't thrill you and chill you to say, "I pledge allegiance to, to the flag of one nation, one nation under God." It won't thrill you and chill you to say, "One nation under God." You want to say this: one nation under the Holy Spirit and the name of salvation, Jesus Christ ceremonial deism will not thrill you and chill you. The holiness of God will thrill you and chill you. I got to say it like that. You know what I'm saying? With my arms up and shaking and all that stuff. The holiness of God. That's the, that's the right way to say it, isn't it? Tell me if I'm telling the truth. Angels around the throne, wrote uh, revolving and are revolving, and they're not saying loving, loving, loving. Merciful, merciful, merciful. God is loving. God is merciful. Don't get me wrong. He's all those things. Gentle, gentle, gentle. Kind, kind, kind. They're going around. Isaiah saw it too. Isaiah saw it. The apostle John saw it. Holy, holy, holy. All day, all night, day after day, night after night, 24 hours a day, setting the mood in heaven. And that's what an effect of the Holy Spirit is going to be in your life. He's going to set the mood in your life. He wants to set the mood. He wants to give you strength. He wants to give you boldness. Hallelujah. Great reverence toward God is going to come forth from you. Not, not, you know, coolness. I don't like preachers that try to be cool. You can tell from my haircut I don't care about being cool. I get the cheapest one I can. I'd cut my own if my wife would let me. And I got to have tattoos and I got to have cool shoes and I got to have this and I Look, once you touch the holiness of God, there's going to be one holiness is about oneness, about about zeroing in and focusing on one important thing, the holy. There's going to be one thing important to you, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to draw you to me. The feeling of heaven is intimidating. How many great men of God visited heaven and fell on their faces because it's dominated by the holiness of God. God has many wonderful qualities, but his holiness is the quality by which he is best known. It is his arresting quality. Once encountered, you will never forget it. You will never be so moved by anything. It is like a spiritual x-ray. It looks right through you. There is no hiding from it. All imperfections become apparent in its light. The one at the center of heaven cannot be approached on merit except by one man, Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain. He is the only one that can approach the the throne and take the scroll from the Father's hand. No man was found worthy, and then Jesus was found worthy. Why was no one worthy? Because God is holy, 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 right? Right? I pray that we keep the special thing that God has given, Living Word Church, which is to enter into the holy presence of God in our worship. Entering into reverence for God and the fear of God. I I notice all of our worship teams choose songs that honor God's holiness. Some of them are more upbeat. Some of them are this beat and that beat, this style and that style. But I notice our worship teams love to zero in on songs that focus on Jesus and God's holiness and God's glory. I pray that we, we keep that and that, Lord, you make this place, this house, that you started by your sovereign will, that you keep it as close to heaven as it can be in this earth. Holy, holy, holy. It's not said of a building, an institution, an office, or a human being. All of his love, his justice, his plan, his methods, his actions, his values are holy, holy, holy. Hannah said in 1 Samuel 2.2, there is none holy as the Lord. He's awesome in power. He's perfect in righteousness. He's untouched by sin. He is unthreatened by competition. He has no father. He's uncreated. He doesn't follow a predecessor. He had no mentor. He doesn't resemble another one that came before him. He doesn't follow a law or code, for he is himself holy. He is other. The only uncreated one. Every angel was created. Every world, every human, every creature exists of himself. No beginning. Holy. It's above being loving. It's above being forgiven. As long as there exists a hell, we are gonna have to say that God's holiness is even more important to him than his love or his mercy. He will send somebody to hell if he must. In, in, a, in a sense, in intolerance. His love will have to tolerate that. The eternal judgment of someone into hell. But he will not let somebody without Jesus Christ into heaven because his holiness will never give way. The holiness of God will never give way. And God sends what to us? Since the day of Pentecost... To fill us with it. He sends it on us. He sends it in us. He sends it through us. Not just spirit, but Holy Spirit. A Holy Spirit. A Holy Spirit. You have property. You're going to let some barbarians go traipsing through your carpets with muddy shoes on? You're going to let them build a fire in the middle of the living room? You're going to let strangers go looking around? Aren't your doors closed to threats, murderers, arsonists, frauds, fakes, violators, and the rude? I can tell you, as much as your space, your home is special to you, and you protect it, and you keep bad people out, the Bible says that God will not allow into the new Jerusalem fear-mongers, haters, Uh, uh, fornicators, thieves because he's holy. Holy heaven will not tolerate the unclean. And brothers and sisters, you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and in you to resist the liberal world that wants to create dozens of ways to God. Dozens of moralities. Dozens of life standards. When the Holy Spirit comes within you, you are going to care about pleasing one person. A holiness will come into your life and you will want to please Jesus Christ in him alone. The name that is above every name the only name under heaven given among men by which men can be saved. Read Isaiah chapter 6. A, uh, beasts are hovering around the throne of God. They have six wings. With two wings, they cover their faces. Why do they cover their faces? Because God is holy, holy, holy. With two wings, they cover their feet. Why? Why do they have to be so careful and so Moved about where they go with their feet. That they cover them with their wings. Because they are before the holy God. Amen. Again, Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled. And it doesn't say spirit. It doesn't say they were all filled with the spirit. It says they were all filled with the holy spirit. And spoke the word of God boldly. Amazing to me how such a simple thing, the adjective holy on the Spirit is something that the church can sort of forget about. Not you, not this group or that group, but people forget that God is holy and that His Spirit is holy. And many spirits come and move many people, even in the name of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, I want to come on this congregation I want to come in my life. I want to come in my den where I study the Word of God. The only spirit I want to come there is the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, may your Holy Spirit move us, impact us, have an effect on us. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Wonderful to have you here this morning. Have a wonderful day. We'll be here tonight for prayer.